polyvagal theory proposes that cues of safety are an efficient and profound antidote for trauma. The theory emphasizes that safety is defined by feeling safe and not simply by the removal of the threat. Stephen Porges. This is Exploring Polyvagal Theory a dialogue between practitioners to deepen our understanding of the nervous system and how we might make safety in everyday life accessible for all. I'm Lauren Hubele, health educator and gemotherapy expert, here with my co-host and Japanese acupuncturist, Megan Lim. Hello, Megan. Hi, Lauren, and hi, everybody listening and taking this exploration with us on the meeting of gemotherapy and polyvagal theory. Megan, I don't know about you, but ever since we began this exploration, I kind of feel like the universe is being more than cooperative, <laughs> providing me with plenty of lessons, like I'm just coming out of one um, a few minutes ago. Have you found this to be true? I absolutely have. And not only have there been some really interesting lessons coming up for me to look at. But I also think that just the unpredictability and journey of regular life, now through the polyvagal lens, I'm able to show up and have a framework with which to view it differently and show up for myself differently. Megan, that's beautifully put. And I'm going to speak about a, a episode that I'm literally just stepped out of. And and I wondered to myself, you know, had this happened a month ago, two months ago, pre my awareness of polyvagal theory, what tools would I have been using? Um, and and that's, a, that's a really um, good thing for me to be aware of because instead of viewing this as, okay, universe, thank you very much for this next lesson, <laughs> I, I should be, grateful for the gift of polyvagal theory to deal with what life presents. Absolutely. It has been such a shift for me. Um, you know, I have been meditating and practicing mindfulness and using plant-based medicines and um, developing self-awareness for many years. But there is really a shift since I've discovered polyvagal theory in the way that I can approach life. Yeah, that's beautiful. And you know, Megan, there isn't anyone I share it with that doesn't have that same um, feeling. It seems like um, anytime I um, expose anyone to this theory, it, it seems to be exactly what they needed to hear, like the next step for them. And um, even like you said, those of us that have done years of work and we know the work never ends, right? And so those of you listening, you know, spoiler alert, <laughs> the work never ends. Um, but this is a great tool to help. It's a great tool. Yeah. So in the last episode, we shared some examples of extracts that we found most useful in creating cues of safety. We thought today we would share some real life examples of 
what we've experienced just recently and what extracts we found helpful. And I, you know, Megan, I can't help but add a few more um, phrases here because this creating cues of safety is exactly what gemotherapy extracts do. I, this is very powerful for me as someone that's worked for years dedicating my, my time and energy and, and spiritual life to what is this all about is that's what they do. They are information for the body that are also cues of safety. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's why there's something so special about what we've, about this project and what we're doing and looking at the relationship between polyvagal theory and how we discern, our nervous system discerns cues of safety and danger. And the role of polyvagal theory, the role of gemotherapy in here, because I agree, gemotherapy is able to communicate safety both to the mental and physical body. Yeah, beautiful. Well, let's share some examples of what's been happening. And I'm a little excited to share one. <laughs> Great. So, um, literally. So, Megan, I've shared with you, you know, I've been taking on this activist role and um, I've been attending our, our um, county commissioner court hearings and speaking out um, in the um, um, line of criminal justice and the inequities that we have. And, and it's very passionate to, for me. It's something that I feel really important and it's something I can do when we're in a time where we feel so powerless. And so Megan, you know what? Everything's gone really beautifully. In the last eight weeks, I've been able to get up, give my little three minute pitch and, um, and, and I felt real good and I came out feeling whole until today. <laughs> today, the courthouse had been filled with people preemptively um, in opposition to this same um, theme. And it's, it was really interesting. I don't know, and this is my, you know, white privilege speaking here. I don't know that I have ever sat among people and been a minority, a great minority, among people that felt so adverse to the cause that I felt um, empowered to speak about. And um, I'm on the schedule. I know the crowd is already getting unruly and they're probably not going to take what I have to say without a lot of fuss. And um, I, they, they were beginning to jeer other women that were speaking with me. And Megan, I felt everything, every cell in my body says, get out of here, Lord. <laughs> danger, danger. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Get out of here. This, uh, there are no cues of safety here, right? And yet, I knew I, what I wanted to do was so important to me. It was a big step to not give in to those habitual patterns. Yes. And I have a lifelong 
history of not speaking out my truth when the rubber hits the road, right? It's real easy for me to be opinionated with a very loving husband, but not so much speaking out against an angry mob. And that was exactly what I faced. So I, what I want to share is the physical, the physiological response. And we, all of you listening, have been in some situations similar where you feel um, that your nervous system activated, the sympathetic activation, and trying to remain present and still, I could literally feel my body shaking. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, it actually was shaking. And I thought, oh, this is really interesting here. Um, what's going on? And when it came my turn to speak, getting those words out was so difficult. And it was, it had something to do with, uh, you've talked about having the air, right? Mm -hmm. And breathing around our words. Can you remind me what you've shared about that? Because that's really relevant. It is really relevant. It's so beautiful that you bring this up because I've been much more attuned to this when I'm breathing, but also when I'm watching my clients breathe. And as you know, as a Japanese acupuncturist, um, we really encourage people to breathe into their abdomens, into their core. But I've noticed a pattern um, when we experience cues of danger in our diaphragm and we tend to shut down our upper abdomen, the epigastric area, and clamp down in the diaphragm. And when that becomes a habituation in the body, what I have noticed is that, for example, when I'm talking right now, I might pause mid-sentence if I need to breathe and my words flow around my breath. Right. But in a sympathetic state or when we're hyper aroused or when we're in this sort of abdominal armoring, I notice that I have clients who tend to breathe around their words. <laughs> so what I see is that they will talk and talk and I can see the abdomen dropping like they're all of their air is escaping their body until they're all the way at the end of the air that they have. And then there's like a, and then they keep talking and they just do it again and again. And so it's a reversal. Um, and it's really like the flow of breath um, is interrupted by this armoring. Well, Megan, I have a lot of armoring up there. I'm really sure. And that what you described fit that completely. I, I'm, Fortunate they record these and I really want to go back and watch myself because I spoke for three minutes and I could sit here right here and say, I don't think I took a breath. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure but I don't think I did. Yeah. Um, and afterwards, um, getting that expansiveness, bringing it back was very difficult. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, I think I, t I told my husband when I got home, I don't know if I b took a breath from the time I started speaking till I walked in my door where I felt safe. And what was interesting, thinking of what Portis says here, is that safety is defined by feeling safe, but not simply the removal of the threat. And so even though I walked away from that threat, when I came home, it took me a while to give my body some cues of safety. And Megan, what came to my mind 
um, to take was hazel because I felt this restriction in my lungs and this lack of ability to expand and retract and, and that I couldn't get enough breath. I'm sure there are some other extracts I could have taken. However, I will tell you, it was extremely effective. Mm, that's beautiful. It is interesting. I think that there's two pointings that we're seeing here. So when choosing an extract, when we are feeling um, shut down or hyper aroused and we're looking for um, some recalibration, we're talking about determining what kind of support we're looking for. Are we looking for the being with energy or are we looking for the guidance? And then the second pointing that we're touching on here is where in your body are you feeling it? And together we really can point towards an effective extract based on just those two things can get us into the right ballpark. And so I think Hazel is a beautiful choice. Yeah. I had um, a hyper arousing a situation recently too that is coming up for me as you were talking about the courthouse. I was driving on the highway, I was by myself, and there was an SUV in front of me. And I think what happened is that uh, she, I could see that it was a woman driving, that she was distracted or somehow veered out. And when she overcompensated and pulled back into her lane, it was an SUV that sits high up off the ground and she went up onto her two left wheels. So I'm coming down at about 70 miles an hour at the highway and I'm coming towards her and her car is up on its two left wheels and she is desperately trying to right herself. And in those, what felt like, you know, micro moments there, I wasn't sure if I should go left or right to avoid her because she was all over the road. And I couldn't decide if she was going to be able to right herself or if she was going to tip. And here I was flying towards her. So as you can imagine, mm -hmm. I am sweating and my heart is racing. Mm -hmm. And what I found myself, so a few seconds passed and right as I'm coming up towards her, the car slams back down on all four tires. And she swerves and she's able to right herself, which was um, a miracle. I was so grateful that she was okay and that we were all okay. And it was one of those moments where I wanted to pull over, um, but I couldn't, I was on the highway. But what I felt um, was an immediate gut reaction mm. that I could feel um, almost a numb shock in my body and I felt it primarily in my gut and I also felt a real disembodied feeling. Mm -hmm. I felt this numb shock, uh, it was almost a lack of feeling when the shock entered my system. And as I drove home, I was home within 10 minutes and just like you, uh, although I was able to breathe and use some of the tools in my toolkit for dealing with that hyperarousal, I needed some support in how then not just to remove the cues of danger, right? The car righted itself. If I used, you know, on paper, it would look like I should be calming down. Everything turned out okay, but I really needed some support. 
I needed to return to my body. I needed to return to an embodied feeling of safety. I needed uh, my system to be able to be aware of the survival of the success that I was okay, mm -hmm. and then send that message to the rest of my system. And so what I decided to take, because I was so aroused that I didn't want to guide, I wanted the being with energy, and I felt it in my gut, and I felt like I needed to come back into my body, I decided to take fig. And it was very helpful. Very good choice. Yeah. You know, Megan, we're talking about these in the moment experiences. And, and I think it's important to point out to folks that are listening that may be coming to this new and coming to gymotherapy new, that gymotherapy is much bigger than this in the moment, right? It's, yeah. it, we're discovering its power in the moment, but there, there are chronic dispositions we have for responding these certain ways, these habitual responses, right? And by um, creating a protocol that you take for yourself daily, you can actually improve um, the outcome of these situations and create an overall resilience. So I think it's important for me to point out that there is in the moment and this is beautiful and if that's the only way you want to tap into gemotherapy that's great but we can also work on this in a wider with a wider lens lauren it's interesting that you bring that up because i'm finishing a beautiful book um, by elaine duncan called the Tao of trauma which looks at um, five element asian medicine and um, trauma and polyvagal theory and she talks about which energies in the body control the signaling center that discerns safety from danger. And then also, so that message and signaling center needs to be correct. And then which energy in the body sends the message out when there's danger. Mm -hmm. And what I think that we're touching on here is that from old traumas or regardless of how long it's been with us, that sometimes both our signaling centers and our messaging centers are caught in habits of um, sending, receiving and sending messages of danger. Yeah, yeah. right. And, and by working with our nervous system on a daily basis, yes. we can improve that communication system. Yeah. So Megan, um, uh, I, I have a, another example I was thinking about of um, getting myself in a situation again of this layering of cues of unsafety. And, you know, there are times that we get cues of unsafety where we really are unsafe. And I would say my one this morning, I probably wasn't physically unsafe, but I certainly was in an emotionally unsafe place. But sometimes it's just flat out irrational, right? That there's a situation that um, is about to happen or unfolding that just sends every signal of lack of safety to me. 
And I'm sure this comes from um, habitual response and from long traumas what, that I came into the world with or had myself. Um, but it, it's this, this layering of lack of, of safety and kind of fluctuating between um, wanting to fight, wanting to flee, wanting to um, shut down and just oscillating between those. And yes. we've talked about this, right? That we can kind of get in this, like, um, uh, I, I, I don't want to flee. I don't want to fight. Sitting here and trying to just be doesn't work either. And then I activate and and um, I, this is a really strange cycle, but it's one of those that if you get yourself in that state, you just can't settle, right? You just can't settle. So I can say, I'm just going to read a book. I'm fine. And within 30 seconds, my body's telling me something else, right? And I, I, I had one of these situations and it reminded me of when the two of us talked and I don't even remember what episode that we were talking about our inner compass. And sometimes that compass just starts spinning, right? And it, it's, it's not calibrated or it's um, um, not uh, doing what compasses are meant to do. They're not pointing north. And the extract we, we talked about would be useful there is black current. And it's so interesting because what black current does is it optimizes the response of the sympathetic nervous system and helps organize that response effectively. And so that finally, after wearing myself out for an hour of the cycling, I took black current and it was really within five minutes that I could settle down, read a book, and say, you know what, you're going to be okay. All the cues of safety are here now and checked in. Wow. It is beautiful how when we touch on the right extract, it there's a shift very quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you for that. When we touch on old patterns and how they're still present with us, um, it brings to mind a situation for me, um, you know, as an acupuncturist, and I'm sure that this is the same for you as a health educator, I've gotten really good at listening, at showing up and being present and open um, to what somebody has to share with me. But of course, um, it's our people in our personal lives who we love tremendously, who always challenge the things that we're good at. And I've had some situations recently in uh, my home, primarily with, uh, we have a son who's a new teenager and he's looking for a bit more freedom. Oh. Um, and that, you know, as we negotiate and navigate what this next chapter in our um, uh, mom and son relationship looks like, there have been some moments where uh, I have been aware that I've wanted to offer him more autonomy and more independence and a longer leash. Um, but my system is receiving that as cues of danger. Yeah. 
And what I'm experiencing sometimes in my body, when I know that we're going to have a situation where we need to negotiate this so that we can find something that works for everybody, is that for me, this long pattern of um, vulnerability and fear that comes up in relationship plays out. And I feel a sense of shutdown, but more than shutdown, I feel an armoring. It's, it's a shutdown that comes in the sense of me wanting to armor myself. And what I've noticed is that when I, in relationship, when I feel this armoring, it really compromises my ability to be present and to listen openly. And I know that if I can't show up where my feet are in that moment and listen openly, then we can't, um, not only can I not get to a feeling of safety, but I can't show up for that person and have an effective resolution. So um, in this particular case that I'm thinking of, I decided to take Olive because I've noticed that Olive is very helpful to me when I feel armored. Um, I use the example in one of our other recordings of a turtle who wants to pull inside of its shell. Mm. Um, I notice that for me, this old pattern plays out like a rigidity, an emotional rigidity with a digging in of my heels. And that's not how I want to come to the conversation. I want to be open and present to listen. And um, so I did take Olive. I took um, one drop uh, an, an hour before the conversation and then right before the conversation. And um, I, I felt like the, the top layer of my onion peeling away almost is what it felt like. Wow. So. Megan, this is really beautiful. And thank you for sharing your vulnerability there as a parent, because what we all know is we bring all of our fears and habitual responses right into our parenting and um, good or bad. Um, it just shows up. And if we can acknowledge where we might be stuck ourselves and um, address that, we can show up more authentically and more open um, like you would for your clients. You know, and I think that this is the gift of the marriage of the framework of polyvagal and general therapy together, is that you and I have talked about how this leads to compassion, that we can show up more compassionately without judgment, not only for our clients or, you know, in this case, not only for my son, but also for myself. Mm-hmm. 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 This is, uh, you know, uh, the, it reminds me, and it's interesting you use Olive for this, because in, in a slightly different scenario where I felt like I wasn't being heard, and it felt unjust, right, that um, um, not being heard, not being, um, or being misinterpreted, this is really hard, right? It's really hard for people to take us. And um, no one appreciates that. And, and when that happens, we do armor ourselves. But that armoring there tends to be around the heart, right? We kind of close our heart. No one's going to get to me there. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And um, this is um, the beauty of the extract hawthorn. And, and I'm bringing this up now because I have found it so powerful personally in um, my, my newfound activism and my um, work as a parent. And I think it's the extract that is going to lead us through this next time period in our life where we are, there is no other way than to approach this new way of living than with an open heart. There, there's no other way. And, and I couldn't agree more. Hawthorne has been um, a dear, dear friend and companion to me recently. I have reached for it time and again. Um, you know, there's um, a little movement that I do through the day where I rest my hand on my heart center. And for me, that feels like a cue of safety. For some people, it might not. But resting my palm and my hand just gently on my heart center seems to soften and open and almost feel like an embrace for me. And right before we started joining today, I was doing that and just calming for a few minutes. And it, it really was the embodied sense of how I feel like Hawthorne shows up for me also. Mm. Beautiful, Megan. Anything else you'd like to share today? No, this has been lovely. Thank you. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I, I hope our listeners um, see themselves in some of these scenarios and can find, find their way to safety because that's the only way we're going to live full, healthy lives. So no doubt our conversations have sparked some further interest you might have in our work. Um, I want to let you all know you can learn everything you would want to learn about chemotherapy on my website, laurenhubelay.com, where you can find books, um, classes I have on restoring immunity, and a selection of chemotherapy extracts. And what about you, Megan? Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I you know, Lauren and I met because I had somebody referred me um, to gemotherapy and I found Lauren and some of her pre-recorded classes and just started there on my own and quickly developed a relationship and a love for gemotherapy. But it really did start with me just sitting in my living room, listening to pre-recorded classes and experimenting with extracts. So I encourage you um, to uh, develop a relationship um, with the extracts and do some exploring through some foundation classes. Um, if you're interested in learning more about gemotherapy through the Asian lens or my practice, you can visit me at acculemp.com. Thanks, Megan. And I would like everyone to know they can learn an amazing amount of information on polyvagal theory at Deb Dana's site, The Rhythm of Regulation. Thanks everyone for listening and we already are looking forward to the next time we can be together.